Hi, I'm Dan Permat, and welcome to Axios Recap, sponsored by J.P. Morgan Chase. Today is Friday, April 2nd. U.S. job numbers are way up, more companies are down on so-called voter integrity laws, and we're focused on the southern border crisis. On Wednesday, 451 unaccompanied minors were apprehended by U.S. border authorities, bringing the total number of kids waiting in border facilities to nearly 5,000. And these are facilities that they're not legally supposed to be held in for more than 72 hours. The total number of children in government custody is over 18,000. It's a wave that just doesn't yet show any signs of cresting. And here's the most important point. No matter your personal politics on immigration, America just isn't prepared to handle this many unaccompanied minors, particularly because COVID-19 precautions require that shelters operate below capacity. But the troubles with immigration go beyond just kids arriving now. There's more related to kids who arrived years ago, you know, otherwise known as adults. A U.S. District Court judge in Texas is hearing a case that could determine the fate of hundreds of thousands of DACA recipients, people brought to this country as children, after a group of Republican-led states sued to invalidate the Obama-era DACA program. The judge chose not to rule after Tuesday hearing, but has set an early April deadline for lawyers on both sides to provide more information. So today we want to go deeper into the state of undocumented immigration, including what the White House and Congress could or should be doing. Our guest is Janet Napolitano. She is the former governor of Arizona, who then spent four years leading the Homeland Security Department under President Obama. She currently leads UC Berkeley's Center for Security in Politics. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by former Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano. So, Janet, let's start here. Big picture. Did the Biden administration, from your perspective, get caught a little bit flat footed when it came to the number of immigrants coming in from the southern border? Well, I think not really. It's such a problem because you can see the traffic moving over weeks as it moves from south to north. What got caught up in this was the fact that the pandemic was still amongst us and the shelter spaces they had, et cetera, weren't equipped to handle the traffic in light of the pandemic restrictions they had to put in. I wonder, is a piece of that, though, you know, the the Biden administration, when they came in and and, and president talked about this leading in, so it wasn't a surprise, but he was very quick to reverse a lot of Trump's immigration policies, including the asylum rules, et cetera. Was he too quick or were those the proper moves to make at the time? I'm not asking kind of longer term policy, but given what they did see coming up from the South. No, I think they made good judgments as to the Trump rules that needed to be overturned. Trump's immigration policy was really abhorrent, uh, inconsistent with our values, inconsistent in some respects with the law. So they acted appropriately there. They did keep some of the Trump restrictions in place. Uh, For example, under Title 42, Trump had used health as a justification for denying border crossings to the vast majority of immigrants. You know, holding that Title 42 restriction in place has caused a lot of consternation amongst immigration advocates, but is a good tool to use right now. Obviously, one of the things that's most notable about this current influx from the South is the number of children, the number of unaccompanied minors that that are coming up. From your perspective, why are there so many kids coming right now, an unprecedented number of kids? 
Right. It's a huge number. I think it's a reflection of the terrible conditions in the countries that they're leaving. Think of a parent making a decision for their child to leave, to cross the border into another country, not knowing really what will happen to that child, but knowing that whatever happens, it'll be better than what they're experiencing in Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. But why now, as opposed to, say, six months ago or, say, pre-pandemic, 16 months ago, a lot of those conditions, including the earthquake in Honduras, those didn't happen in the last couple of weeks or even the last month or two? No. In fact, that traffic started increasing in the last months of the Trump administration. It's just that the rate of that increase has gone up. You know, you hear this from Republicans a lot, which is that the Biden administration rhetoric really coming into the administration as much as when he took office is what encouraged some parents to say, you know what, I'm going to have my kid take this really tough journey. Is that a fair critique? Um, I don't know if it's a critique. Obviously, Biden has a much more, in my view, sane view of immigration policy than Trump did. Whether that figured into any parent's calculation about where to send their child, I don't think we really know. I think more important were the economic and violence uh, conditions in the countries. With all the unaccompanied minors, obviously space is a big issue and that we don't currently have enough of it to house them until they have another place to go. If you were running DHS right now, what would you be doing to deal with that space problem? Well, first of all, I'd be working closely with the Department of Health and Human Services, which is really the agency that's supposed to take custody of the children until they can be placed with a vetted adult. A vetted adult is usually a family member already in the United States. We would be finding alternative shelter space. We would be urging staffing to be moved to those shelters. We might deploy FEMA to help construct shelters. That's what they do in the case of an emergency. And we would look to work with HHS on what can be done to speed the pace by which children can be removed from shelters to a home, either with a family member or a foster parent or some other condition, because the shelters are temporary and they're not designed to be great. They're designed to be safe and healthy, et cetera. But you really need to increase the pace of getting those kids placed. Speaking of safe and healthy, there is an existing facility, which is very controversial, but is not currently being used, which is the Homestead facility, which is run by a for-profit company. It is large. It is a place where a lot of unaccompanied minors could go. Do you believe that the administration should reopen Homestead for unaccompanied minors? It depends. You know, I think you would need to do a very careful analysis as to whether Homestead, which is operated by a private company, as you said, it was able, had the capacity to provide safe and healthy accommodations for those children. I'm curious, how long would an analysis like that take? You'd have to think somebody's doing that right now. I don't know. Perhaps they are. I know they're looking at a lot of alternatives as they need to. But I actually think the real focus should be on how to move the children more quickly out of shelter into permanent placements. Uh, let me ask one question about adults. Uh, what, one of the issues when it comes to adults and they come uh, if they're seeking asylum is that we have a relative paucity of asylum judges who can actually adjudicate those cases and adjudicate them quickly. Is there enough supply of such judges? In other words, if there was the funding, are there enough people who could actually fill those roles or is that really a supply and demand problem that we have? 
There's been a paucity of immigration judges for way too long. You know, immigration judges are are under the authorities of the Department of Justice, but the whole immigration court system is backlog. I think there's over a million cases in their backlog right now. So they definitely need to put some resources there. And then they need to consider moving immigration judges from where they're currently located to the southwest border where they're most needed. This is the third time uh, that we've had a major surge of Central American families and kids uh, in in the past decade coming to the border. Big picture, why have we not been able to figure out this problem? Oh, it's such a difficult problem. It's a problem that really requires a long-term solution. It requires working with Guatemala, with Honduras, with El Salvador, and trying to help them with their economic condition, huh? trying to work with them on reducing the rate of violence, the, the omnipresence of the gangs. It probably requires, for some of the countries, working with NGOs, not with the governments in place because there's corruption issues there. But you need a solid plan on how to invest in those three countries to turn off the incentive for people to leave their homes and flee to the United States. I think that's the role that Vice President Harris has been given by President Biden. One other big development in the past week was a federal judge in Texas delayed making a ruling on DACA or the uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, which is being challenged in court. Are you concerned that Texas court could indeed strike down the DACA program? Oh, I've always been concerned that that particular Texas judge would take such an action, which would be a shame. We started DACA when I was the secretary. When I was the president of the University of California, we challenged the administration for rescinding DACA, won that case in the Supreme Court. The contentions in the Texas case are different. And if the judge rules with the plaintiffs there who who have challenged the underlying legality of DACA, it could be very problematic. However, I think the legal underpinnings of DACA are very strong. Plus, President Biden has indicated the desire to make it permanent, and there's great support for DACA in the Congress. So this really requires a congressional solution for once and for all. Let me ask about that. Obviously, you're a Democrat, served as Democratic governor in Arizona and obviously in the Obama administration. But can you give me, on both sides, for Democrats and Republicans, one piece of political dogma for each on immigration that they should maybe compromise on so we could actually get to a congressional solution? Well, I think the Republicans should compromise on a lot of things. But one piece of dogma I would challenge the Republicans on is no path to citizenship for those who've been in the country for a long time. A piece of dogma for the Democrats that I would challenge is and this is just for some Democrats, clearly not all, but some, is that border control is not anathema, that we need strong border control. Jen Napolitano, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Welcome back. What we're watching today is jobs after the Labor Department reported that the U.S. economy added 916,000 of them in March. The big headline here is that the jobs report 
crushed economist expectations, likely reflecting the accelerated pace of vaccinations. Then there's also the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package that President Biden signed on March 11th, some of which might be baked into these jobs figures, but more of which is likely to show up in the April numbers because jobs reports are based on surveys that end around the middle of the month. Inside the numbers, the big gainer was leisure and hospitality, with around two-thirds of those gains coming from food and beverage. Other sectors showing notable increases included construction and education. But it's not all good news. There's still 8.4 million fewer Americans working than before the pandemic, and the so-called labor participation rate barely budged, meaning these people aren't just unemployed. They've given up looking for work altogether. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe. Because if you do, you'll also get tomorrow's special deep dive edition on the Federal Reserve. Have a great national ferret day. And we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>